Welcome to The Well Woman Show, where we use intersectional feminism, mindfulness, leadership, and strategy to support smart women to change the world without anxiety, insecurity, and burnout. On the show, we challenge the status quo and support you to unlearn harmful messages that keep you playing small so you can activate your superpowers and live with joy, confidence, and ease. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, Well Women. I want to take a minute just to hold space for all of the millions of women and men who breathed a big sigh of relief last weekend and felt hope for the first time in a long time. I want to also hold space for those whose candidates didn't win and who may be really distressed or disappointed. This is an important time in our country to listen to and respect one another. Either way you look at it, it was remarkable to witness history in the making last weekend as Vice President-elect Kamala Harris became the first woman, first African-American, and the first South Asian-American to be elected to the office. I watched her speech with my family, and my daughter held my hand the whole way through the Vice President-elect's speech. It's a night I definitely won't easily forget. And I want to send a special thank you to the many Black women organizers, communities of color in battleground states, and everyday citizens that mobilized to make it possible. And without missing a beat, many people started emailing me about the work we have ahead of us, rebuilding the economy and putting women back to work, strengthening our health care and child care systems to meet the needs of families, and getting the pandemic under control so that we can fully reopen our schools, day- daycare centers, and businesses across the country. Women are at the center of these challenges, and we're at the center of the solutions. And women are fed up, according to Gemma Hartley, author and speaker whose book, Fed Up, Emotional Labor, Women, and the Way Forward, brings much-needed awareness to the invisible work shouldered by women. Her viral Harper's Bazaar article, Women Aren't Nags, We're Just Fed Up, sparked an international conversation about emotional labor inequality and was shared by and read by millions of readers. On the show, we discuss women's workload during the pandemic, how we can build a culture of of awareness, and why it's so important for us to abandon the need for perfectionism. You can find notes from today's show at wellwomanlife.com slash 227show. You can also continue the conversation in the Well Woman Life community group at wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from the Well Woman Academy and High Desert Yoga in Albuquerque. I'm speaking with Gemma Hartley. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Um, You know... As we heard in the introduction, you are a writer, you've written many things, but the the thing I wanted to focus on today was your book called Fed Up, Emotional Labor, Women, and the Way Forward. And Gemma, before we kind of dig into that, um, there's a lot to talk about, especially now, tell listeners kind of who are you in the world today? Like what is, who are you just in, you know, who are you showing up as today in the world? Oh, today is very different um, than it was, you know, a year ago because we're in the middle of the pandemic and I am at home with my three kids who are distance learning. Uh, and I'm sort of trying to navigate this new world and figure out uh, how to find myself in it. I'm currently working on a novel 
which is new territory for me. And it's going very slowly with all of our computers usually used up for distance learning throughout the day. Um, But I'm taking it day by day and we're sort of trying to rebalance all of that emotional labor all over again, which I thought we had pretty well figured out after I wrote the book and then everything got turned upside down. (laughs) Right. Yes. I hear you on that. And I think many listeners can relate. Um, So tell us, can you just describe like, you know, in the book you talk about um, emotional labor and um, women's increased workload. Um, can you talk about like what what do you mean when you say emotional labor? And then how has has um, being in this pandemic impacted that? Yeah. So when I'm talking about emotional labor, I'm talking about all of the invisible mental and emotional work that goes into keeping everything running, keeping everyone around you comfortable and happy. Uh, you know, it's all that planning work, all the behind the scenes stuff, and remembering what needs to be done, reminding other people what needs to be done, which I feel like I got a pretty good handle on uh, during the writing of my book. And then with the pandemic, there are all of these new things that we have to think about and deal with and plan for. And I've heard from so many women, and I you know, include myself in this, that there's such an increased workload. There's so much more to think about. Like who is to make sure the kids are washing their hands and sanitizing regularly, you know, who is making sure that you have enough toilet paper and that you know where you can get toilet paper in town a lot of the time. You know, there's so there's so many little things that add up to this huge mental burden. Uh, and especially right now with the pandemic, with all of these new things that we are having to remember and remind for. Yes. And I love the way you talk about this invisible workload. It, it really is invisible because um, it, it's not recognized. It's not acknowledged, e- even by those of us who are doing it sometimes, and certainly not by, you know, perhaps other members of the family or, or other, you know, other people in our lives. And so um, is part of the work making, uh, and I, I actually talk a lot about this in my in my work with women, but like making the invisible visible, like, is that part of the process? Yes. I talk about this all the time. I, I say like the one thing that we really need to do in order to shift this balance is to make the invisible visible. Like we have to start recognizing this work, start talking about it because so often we carry this load and either don't realize we're doing it or we start to be cognizant of it. And then we're like, oh, but you know, nothing's going to change. I'm the one that needs to have everything under control. So I'll just keep doing it. Um, you know, I'll keep asking for help when what you really need isn't help. It's a partner who is fully there for you and participating in this work with you. Yes. And I want to get into kind of the role of men or partners. But before we go down that road, I just want to kind of explore this a little bit more with you about the invisible workload. Do you did you find in your research that certain women were impacted more uh, like race, ethnicity, 
income levels, anything like that? Or, or do you see like just all women are socialized to, to take this on and like everybody's suffering? I, I think to some extent, most women are experiencing this, but absolutely like race plays into it. Socioeconomics plays into it. Uh, there are so many different things that you have to keep in mind. I mean, think, you know, to take race, for example, you have to be able to deal with microaggressions and make those choices about what you're going to bring up and what you're not. You have to fill these, you know, fit into these stereotypes in certain situations in order to thrive or reject those stereotypes in order to thrive. I think there are so many, so many things that you don't see. And some, you know, a lot of stuff that I, as a white woman, will never even understand about the emotional labor that Black women do. Um, You know, and I think there's also right now, I think in this moment, we've seen a lot of the emotional labor that's put forth into educating other people about the struggles that you're going through. Um, You know, part of that making the invisible visible for a Black woman would be, you know, educating and putting that emotional energy into, you know, teaching people about very basic things that you go through on your day to day. And that is exhausting and mentally taxing. And it takes away your time and energy from other things that would be more productive. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great example. And I do, I, I, I've seen certainly over the last few months, but over the last years, um, you know, the, the claiming of that labor, like we, we won't be, uh, taken for granted anymore. And we want to be paid for all of this time that we're spending explaining all of this to you white people, basically, um, is how I've perceived it. And, um, and, and, and so there's some, some attention being put on that now and, and some value to that. Um, and, and like I said, some claiming of that, I don't know that I've seen the same claiming of that labor in just sort of like the gender equity conversation as much as I have in the race conversation. Yeah. Well, I think it's a much more dire situation when you're talking about race relations and, you know, the, the state of racism in our country is really untenable. And so it has to be addressed very loudly. And right now, um, whereas, you know, when I talk about emotional labor from my point of view, like these are some very first world problems and yes, they need to be addressed, but they're the tip of the iceberg. And when you, when you get down, you know, to the level that, uh, you know, black women are dealing with racism and the emotional labor that is expected of them, like that is life or death. Not, you know, I, I want my partner to pick up the socks and I want to feel like I'm in a, you know, healthy, supported relationship like that's that's the end goal the very end goal but there's so much more that needs to be addressed before that yeah yeah absolutely so before we talk about men uh, and it, like that whole conversation i do want to just ask you like with so many women leaving the workforce during the pandemic uh you know mostly to 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 do the things around the house and the childcare and the sitting with kids uh, who are online learning 
What do you think the impact of those large numbers, like we're seeing masses of women leaving the workforce, how do you think this, like how, how are you looking at that now in the context of your work? You know, I think what is happening right now is really going to lead us to a reckoning with the gendered expectations we have. I think they are clearer now than they ever have been. I think it was very convenient and easy beforehand to sort of say, oh, well, women can do it all and it'll be fine. And, you know, we'll push through and persevere. And that we've come to this breaking point where we realize we can't do that. And I see in so many women, we're realizing, you know, uh, it's still that expectation that women are going to be the one that's, that will pick up this load that is underappreciated, that is unnoticed and do it without pay, without recognition. And I think this will not only get us to a reckoning point within our relationships, but I think politically we're at a point where women realize how little support we have culturally and uh, how little support we have politically. And I'm hoping that that will lead to some real change in uh, the way that we expect our leaders to, you know, support families. Yeah. And as you're talking, I'm thinking, well, we, we need to become the leaders. Like we, like we can't uh, necessarily wait for quote unquote, the leaders to like figure it out or, or take the time to figure it out. We really need to be developing that leadership and and creating our own vision and our own future for you know what this is going to look like. Yeah, absolutely at every level. I think we need that. And you know, we we live in such a patriarchal society and there are still so many male gatekeepers, but I think we're really going to start seeing that change because the point that we're at right now shows what a dearth of female leadership does to a country. Yeah. And just to be clear, I I do want to say for listeners, you know, because I I talk about the patriarchy a lot and and you've been, you've brought it up as well. Um, And I just want to be clear that, you know, when, when I talk about the patriarchy, I'm not necessarily, or I'm not at all saying that like, it's not like a men versus women situation or like men are bad or, you know, it, it's really not black and white. It's uh, it, it's more like the systems that have been created through this, this patriarchy, through the patriarchal system doesn't actually benefit anyone, men or women, like definitely not women, but you know, men are also losing out by having to uh, subscribe to this system that really, it, it really is damaging t- to everybody in the end. So, uh, so I, w- I just wanted to say that if you have anything you want to say about that and also to, to address um, kind of where do we go from here in terms of bringing men into the conversation, which is, I know, something that you write about too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on that note about the patriarchy, I agree. Absolutely. We, you know, a lot of people hear that and think, oh, it's against men. Like we don't want men being, you know, in control of everything. Men are the problem. The patriarchy is separate from men. It is a system of power that really does hurt everyone. And I think 
you know, what we don't often realize is that it really narrows men's lives. It makes their, you know, like there's a woman's place, you know, within the patriarchy, which is devoid of any real power. But for men, the power that they have comes without their full humanity. And so it's really damaging to everyone. No one can have full relationships. And I talk about this so much in my work, especially because, you know, emotional labor isn't something we can get rid of or that we should want to get rid of. Uh, It's something that we should want everyone to participate in because it really is being in tune with your life, uh, you know, being uh, having like an equitable relationship with your partner and making decisions together. And I think that there are a lot of costs to that kind of work if you're the only one doing it. But there's also a lot of potential uh, within that for men to really experience the fullness of humanity. And so I I think the way forward in having these conversations is not just saying like, hey, I, you know, I need you to take on this terrible thing that only I am dealing with. It's talking about, you know, how do we come together and create a life that works for both of us and that brings both of us happiness and joy and fulfillment. Absolutely. I'm speaking with Gemma Hartley, author of Fed Up, Emotional Labor, Women and the Way Forward. We'll be right back. I'm so thankful for support from High Desert Yoga, promoting optimum physical health, clarity of mind and spiritual inspiration for all. You're invited to join me for a brand new monthly group experience over in the Well Woman Academy. This is a monthly group that includes access to the full six-week course based on feminism, mindfulness, and the Well Woman Life Framework. It includes weekly groups coaching sessions with me, as well as office hours and a private Facebook group to share and grow. Don't get me wrong, this is hard work. But with these tools, you will easily find the time to do the course, get the coaching, and reach your goal monthly. If you find yourself worrying about whether you'll ever make it in the thing you're pursuing, waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety, lacking the energy you need to get everything done, stuck in some aspect of leading your team, procrastinating on moving forward with projects and tasks, or in a leadership role but second-guessing yourself constantly, I'd love to introduce you to the Well Woman Academy. It's for smart, high-achieving women changing the world who want to overcome anxiety, burnout, perfection, and insecurity. The result? You get to live your well woman life, a life of joy, ease, and abundance, even when things are tough all around you. Visit wellwomanlife.com slash academy to learn more. We're back on the Well Woman Show. I'm speaking with Gemma Hartley, and we're going into the segment called Superpowers for Success. And Gemma, I have a few quick questions for you. It's a bit of a lightning round here to close out the show. And the first question I want to ask you is, what does success in life mean for you? For me, success means being able to enjoy the present moment. I think that um, I, I need to be able to be present in order to be successful. So uh, when you say that, I think mindfulness, do you have a mindfulness practice or what does being present, how does that show up for you? Um, really, I I sort of bring this back to my work, you know, when I am not overwhelmed with emotional labor, I have more mental space and emotional energy, and I can really enjoy the moment without 
sort of thinking ahead to that to-do list and what needs to be done and, you know, who I need to remind to do what. Uh, And, you know, I think that is really the crux of that for me. Uh, But I do also have a mindfulness practice. I uh, do yoga, you know, every other day and have a lot of quiet, introspective time, or at least I try to. (laughs) The pandemic has sort of um, made that difficult, but I'm, I'm working towards finding that time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Gemma, you have, um, you're, you're a successful writer and, um, an author. And I, I want to ask you, when did you know you were really good at what you do? That's a really good question. I don't think that it came from the external validation Uh, You know, I I would think like, oh, you know, I knew I was really good at this when I had like viral articles. Uh, But I feel like I knew before that, that what I was doing made me happy and it made sense to other people. And it didn't have to make sense to, you know, millions of people. It's just when people would come to me and say like, that writing really resonates with me. And I, you know, I could feel that I was getting something out of it too. That's when I knew that this was what I should be doing. That's interesting. And I'm glad you brought up the kind of the internal versus the external validation because people answer that question very differently if they're only thinking about external. And so it seems that you've identified something that we talk a lot about on the Well Woman Show, which is like really identifying that internal you know, confidence or like feeling of making an impact or a contribution that of course you know, we all, we all want that ultimately. Okay. And Gemma, can you um, name a superpower you discovered you had only to realize it was there all the time? I think being able to connect with other women. I grew up in, you know, a real, I mean, all of us grew up in a patriarchal society, but I grew up in this conservative Christian school growing up and it was very much not supportive of women and i think where i went with that was like oh well i'm i'm different than other girls like i you know you want to be the unicorn the the person that sets themselves apart which is this really horrible tool of the patriarchy that keeps women separated and i was very surprised i think to find uh, you know, community with women as I grew older and sort of came into my own and uh, being able to do that, you know, through my writing and in my real life, I was like, oh, I've always been meant to be with other women and, you know, be in community with other women. And I, it sounds like a weird <laughs> superpower to have, uh, you know, because it's a basic part of humanity but i think i spent a lot of my childhood and young adulthood believing that i was at odds with other women and like you said it's a basic part of humanity but i i feel like the 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 most awesome superpowers are you know it's it's like making it's like normalizing these these things that we thought were so far out of reach or not our you know within our capacity or, or whatever. So, um, so I appreciate you, um, calling that out as a superpower. It's important. Um, 
And so a few more questions here for you in this segment. What advice would you give your younger self, say, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago? You know, I think the advice would I would give myself is to be gentle with myself. Uh, I expected a lot from myself and I often pushed myself a little bit too hard um, rather than just letting myself be at the level that I was at. You know, I wanted to be a successful writer and I would do anything that it took to get to that point. And I think uh, sometimes I really rushed myself and I wrote things that I, you know, I'm not super proud of in retrospect. You know, I know that learning and growth need to happen. Uh, But I think if I gave myself a little bit of a pause, I would have made better decisions early on in my career. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, And Gemma, do you identify as a feminist? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think everyone should. What does that mean for you? I think at its core, feminism is just the belief that everyone deserves equitable treatment. And I think that without feminism, you know, I I think some people are kind of, you know, they'll go the cop-out route of like, I'm a humanist. I believe in everyone. But when you live in a society that puts women beneath men, you need to be a feminist because you have to you know, lift people up so that everyone can be at the same level and enjoy their full humanity. Yeah. You know, I remember growing up, I was brought up by a strong feminist and I remember this sort of very normal idea that like men and women were feminists. And then I, as I got older, I was like, oh, that's not really how it is. Um, What do you think it will take for men to claim that as well? Um, you know, I, I have a complicated relationship with men claiming feminism, not because they shouldn't be feminist and hold feminist ideals, but I think that the label is so much less important than the action. And so I think what it's going to take is them showing up and doing the work and not expecting all of the emotional labor to be done for them. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. <clears throat> okay. And what are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? Oh, I have so many books on my nightstand, but right now I'm currently reading uh, Bess Kalb's Nobody Will Tell You This But Me, which is really wonderful so far. I've just started that. And then I'm also reading Alexander Chi's How to Write an Autobiographical Novel. Both are very different and really wonderful nonfiction picks. Mm, okay. We'll include that in the show notes and link uh, to those. We love recommendations, book recommendations. Um, what is your right now with everything going on? What is your greatest challenge? I think my greatest challenge is figuring out how to show up um, for my life. And to do so in a way where I feel fulfilled. Uh, I think I, I've been struggling with finding a way to be fully present and not just totally melt down because everything feels very overwhelming. Um, so it's, I guess, trying to find 
that elusive balance in my life that lets me feel like me, that gives me creative space, uh, and that lets me feel connected to other people, which is especially hard right now. Uh, I'm, I'm used to being around others. And right now it's just me and my family. And, you know, even showing up for that can be really difficult when you're around them all the time. Yeah. So what has been your go-to kind of, I don't want to say solution, but like what helps you through that? Rock climbing. (laughs) It's the, the only thing I think that has gotten me through this pandemic has been rock climbing. I was really into it uh, before the pandemic hit uh, and was like doing bouldering competitions and stuff. And it's one thing, especially now with like the nice fall weather, I can go outside and go bouldering and, you know, I, I get to be around other people in a socially distanced way that provides me with a little bit of community, but mostly just gets me out of my head completely. Yeah, I think that's a great point. So finding something that gets you out of your head that that's actually physical, because when we're when we're physical, we can release some of that, uh, some of that energy that just like release it out of our bodies. And, and that helps a lot. Last question for you, Gemma, what makes a good leader? Uh, I think compassion makes a good leader, someone that understands that, you know, their experience isn't the only one that matters. Yes. And to bring it back to your book, you do say in your book that men and women have equal capacity for compassion. So we should expect that of all of our leaders. Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, we really need to raise our expectations um, for who does this work because it's not just women. Gemma Hartley, it's been so great having you on the show today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your Well Woman Life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join our community. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week, so be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.